We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. If you were to tell someone you wanted to talk about the water crisis in the Chicago area, you shouldn't be surprised if they ask which one. Is it lead in the drinking water in Chicago and elsewhere? Is it residents and municipalities unable to pay their water bills? Or is it flooding every time it rains heavily? The challenges flow freely when the subject is clean water or the lack of it. And this weekend, we're going to talk about those challenges. I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. The Chicago metropolitan area sits along Lake Michigan, one of the Great Lakes, and rivers run through the area, so there's a lot of water. But keeping the water clean and getting it safely to where it needs to go and keeping it from where it shouldn't be isn't always easy. It's called water management, which sounds kind of boring unless you're standing (laughs) ankle deep in your basement or worried if it might make your kids ill or if you don't have any because you couldn't pay the bill. Well, my guests this weekend are three people with three different perspectives on these challenges. Mary Sue Barrett is the president of the Metropolitan Planning Council, an independent planning and policy organization. Naomi Davis is founder and president of Blacks in Green, an environmental group trying to foster green, self-sustaining communities for African-Americans. And Karen Kreiss is a village trustee in South Suburban Midlothian that some people every once in a while called Floodlothian. Uh, She chairs the Economic Development Committee there, and we are coming to you from all over via Zoom conferencing, and I thank all three of my guests for uh, for joining me. It's good to see all of you, albeit via Zoom. Uh, Mary Sue Barrett, I'm going to start with you. Uh, The Planning Council's been watching the waters for years, and are, but people don't talk about it much in the public uh, forums. Have these issues just been overlooked by the general public? We do tend to take our water uh, realities and future uh, for granted, perhaps except when we're uh, consumed by a pandemic and by racial equity concerns, and then suddenly they become very important. Our coastal uh, cities and regions have thought very much about their futures being tied to water. We we tend to think because we sit on the Great Lakes that um, we've got that covered, but we have those layers and layers of, of challenges that you describe. Um, today with COVID-19 and multiple other public health concerns, we're supposed to be cleaning our hands, cleaning our homes uh, more frequently. And so uh, water being a basic human right is something that uh, is much more top of mind and, and is a great urgency for independent change makers like the Metropolitan Planning Council. 
And what are those, I mean, how serious are the problems that we're facing right now? Well, I'd start with affordability. Um, when you think about the basic household costs, uh, paying for your housing, your, your transportation and your food, those are often the big three. Uh, but one of the things that came out of a study that the Metropolitan Planning Council did last year uh, was that uh, water rates have been creeping up, um, in some cases leaping up uh, at a much higher rate than inflation. So between 2008 and 2018, how much you pay for your water um, went from $4 to $7 on average per 1,000 gallons, which is adjusted for inflation. So it's eating into a much bigger share of the pocketbook. Um, we also um, uh, calculated how much it takes for, you know, for someone just to pay for their water bill when you think about your um, your hours worked, and it's about 11 hours a month just to pay for your water bill. So suddenly something which um, used to be not as big of a, of a concern, just even from the cost perspective, um, and then we get all, into all sorts of other issues that I'm looking forward to talking to my colleagues about, um, about equity, about public health, um, and about the potential to turn this set of challenges into actually an opportunity for us. Well, when we're talking about affordability, among other things, uh, this is where we want to bring in Naomi Davis. Uh, Blacks and Green has been promoting sustainability s since before sustainability was cool. Uh, but when we're dealing with affordability for low-income neighborhoods, the problems are affordability and health and accessibility, right? Indeed. And, and, and thanks for shining a light on water. It... Um... It's uh, definitely a priority. Uh, the Black Chicago Water Council has been, has been convening um, on our one-stop utility shut on Saturdays uh, on the front lines here, down here in the community of Woodlawn, um, serving um, folks who, uh, whose water has been shut off. You, you'll note that the mayor's moratorium on shutoffs uh, did uh, come and rightly so, but uh, what most people, uh, residents here in Chicago don't know is that there are uh, untold thousands of people whose water was shut off at the time of the moratorium. And unfortunately, our uh, operations at the city of Chicago uh, Department of Water and its trifurcated system, if I can call it that, the Department of Finance, third party collection agencies, and the Water Department are not coordinated. They are not synchronized. They're not aggregating data. They're not keeping data up to date. They're not sharing that data um, between FOIAs and years and years and years of public uh, uh, body requests for information we are still unable to uh, accurately identify the households in our um, thriving, bustling metropolis who are, are using the water of their neighbors or going to public parks or, um, you know, using bottled water, which they are hard pressed to, to secure. Um, so our, our, our Saturday clinic works with people at the level of bring your water bill um, we can sit with you, make a call to the water department as your uh, ombudsman, um, and uh, we'll, we'll work with you. It's, it's not easy to navigate the, um, 
the, uh, the, the barriers associated with um, getting a customer service representative on the line who is uh, completely up to date on the programs, the utility bill relief programs that have been put in place, uh, who sometimes uh, are lacking the spirit uh, of cooperation. Chicago is well known for a, uh, a long history of uh, racist, misogynist, um, xenophobic um, um, culture inside of the water department. Um, Randy Connor, who just left and retired at the end of December as Chicago's water commissioner, opens up the opportunity for us. And we at uh, Black Chicago Water Council have uh, jumped on the opportunity to begin a public process of, of identifying, recruiting, inciting, and uh, hearing from neighbors. What do we want for our next Chicago um, water commissioner? What uh, the spectrum of problems, we can talk about those are profound. Um, transforming a culture doesn't happen overnight. Uh, we're we're uh, tickled pink to say that we had our, our first public convening. Uh, first Tuesday of every month is our Black Chicago Water Council public meeting. And we had um, uh, 40 or so people uh, weighing in on what they thought we needed to have in our next Chicago Water Commissioner. The system right now um, is broken. Um, the city does acknowledge that. We are trying to work very closely with the mayor's office uh, and Angela Tovar, our chief sustainability officer has been fantastic, but she's new. There's a big system that's already moving and broken. And um, so we have volunteers coming in. We work closely with Elevate Energy to distribute water every Saturday. Oh, Ms. Davis, can I, can I hold you up for a second? Cause I want to do, I want to get to some of the solutions that we can bring to this, but I sure. also want to bring in Karen Christ uh, to to talk about the other. Uh, well, you got me going, uh, Craig. I I couldn't help myself. Sorry. <laughs> oh, and and um, and we love it. So, <laughs> no, we we are. Uh, but Karen, Karen Christ, uh, you know, for suburban officials like yourself, um, you know, questions about whether there will be enough water persist. Uh, but as in the case of uh, Midlothian, at least a couple of years ago, there was way too much water. Uh, how are you dealing with that? And, and, and is affordability an issue uh, there, too? Um, Craig, it is. Thank you for asking. And actually, before the pandemic, uh, Midlothian started exploring other options as to how we could obtain water at a more reasonable and level rate. We, uh, we receive our water from the city of Chicago through the Midmark Water Commission, which is Midlothian and our neighbor, um, the city of Markham. And we purchase it directly from the city of Chicago. And everyone knows that we are getting annual increases from the city of Chicago. So we've explored obtaining water from another source, the Southland Water Agency. And we're moving forward on that. We were, uh, we are not a, a founding partner, but we would be a user so that we could um, uh, level off the costs that are passed on to our residents. And of course, all the infrastructure has to, to be built. So from my perspective, when the pandemic started, the village of Midlothian decided to stop water shutoffs, waive late fees. Um, we, we've had to kind of revisit that because again, 
small municipality, 14,800. If we don't, we still have to pay the water bill. We have to pay the Midmark Water Commission every month. And, and we are strapped financially. And again, water is an enterprise fund. So you can only use water revenue for water, but those are things that we've had to address. And so looking at this other option, is there another way that we can join with other municipalities to obtain water cheaper as we look 50 years out, 100 years out. But yes, um, I, I deal with clean water and I deal with a lot of dirty storm water. So I've worked very closely since 2015 with our resident action group, um, Flood Lothian, Midlothian. And it was started by five residents. I know, Senator Durbin, when we were meeting with him at the uh, Center for Neighborhood Technology, um, to give testimony on the Urban Flooding Awareness Act. He said, I'm never going to forget that name. He was impressed. And we always have shirts that say Flood Lothian, Midlothian. But um, because of this resident action group, Midlothian's flooding issues uh, have been taken very seriously. And I think that's one of the reasons that I'm here today is because Midlothian is recognized as a leader because of this volunteer, this resident action group. And we've had a great partner with the um, Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. We have a $7.6 million project, uh, construction project underway now uh, on Natalie Creek that's going to relieve flooding for about 250 residents. It's not gonna solve all of our flooding problems. Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning has been a great partner through a local technical assistance grant. Um, the, we, they hired an engineering firm and we now have a stormwater management capital plan that identifies 37 needed projects. So it's taken us a long time to get to this point, but there's really no coordinated effort as to how you solve flooding. Um, it, it really, there's many, many agencies that are involved and there's no one agency that has all of the money that's necessary to solve our flooding issues. That, and that's, that's actually tying into some of what we uh, heard from Naomi. Uh, Mary Sue Barrett, one ish, I haven't even raised what may be the most expensive issue that we're dealing with, and that's lead. Uh, I mean, health issues are driving that, but I mean, Chicago wants to get rid of its lead water supply lines. I think other places that have them uh, also want to do that. Now, I know that some municipalities don't have to worry about that because it was mandated in, in Chicago that they mm -hmm. had to have lead lines, which, you know, you can go way back into history to figure out what the heck was going on with that. But uh, other places don't have that problem. But still, we're talking about billions of dollars, Mary Sue. It's is daunting. This, yes. Is this it's a just problem massive. That, that can be solved? Absolutely, and must be. Um, you know, so often we uh, we think of challenges as these insurmountable mountains to climb. Uh, it actually, our our lead challenge is is one that I'm excited about. Could actually bring us together, create some small business creation opportunities, some employment opportunities, public health benefits. Um, you know, kind of jumpstarting the economy. It is a massive problem. There is no level of lead exposure that is safe, zero. So because this was a required uh, plumbing product um, in Illinois through the 1980s, uh, it is everywhere. Uh, we did a study recently and 
documented that there are at least 686,000 lead pipes statewide between the pipe that goes under the street to deliver the, the water from the source to the neighborhood, but then the lead service line, what we're referring to is that it's the pipe that connects from the street to your home or from the street to your apartment. And so we are, we are literally poisoning ourselves when we don't, when we, when we fix the pipe under the street, but we don't fix the, the, the delivery pipe. And so uh, understanding that, that a crisis like Flint, Michigan's is, is, um, is the sobering call for why we have to be proactive and that there's communities of a modest size like Evanston, um, Madison, Wisconsin, who have figured it out. But when you get to the scale of metropolitan Chicago or Illinois, and you know that 95% um, of the places um, where the lead pipes are, are predominantly communities of color, you can't just say, hey, homeowners, it's up to you to replace uh, because you will, you will deepen the equity challenges. Um, so there, the good news is that um, uh, your guests here today were part of a, an ecosystem of organizations that care a lot about being proactive about this issue. Federal, state, and local officials are paying attention. There is a fragile uh, proposal that's been brokered. Uh, we need to do a lot more work on, um, but the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus, when they had a package in January, it was in that initial package. So there's been some, there's been some momentum um, there's been some interest on the, on the part of uh, people like Senator Duckworth in Congress. Um, Congresswoman Kelly have been leaders on this. Um, and uh, there's some small pilot programs in the city of Chicago. As you say, Craig, the problem in part is money, um, but communities like Hazelcrest in the South suburbs, um, the city of Chicago, there's lots of pockets of innovation. And I think if we can think about this as part of equitable recovery, our lead challenge will turn into turn from that that mountain into something that could actually be an opening for us to do something comprehensive and fair. Naomi Davis, I'm going to want to get your take on what's going on, but right now, reminding our listeners, you're listening to News Radio 780's at issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and we are talking about water management, which is more exciting than the title sounds, and, <laughs> and the challenges that uh, that demand such management. My guests are Mary Sue Barrett, president of the Metropolitan Planning Council, uh, Karen Kreiss, a Midlothian Village trustee and very active in uh, water issues, and Naomi Davis, the president of Blacks and Green. And Naomi, uh, the issue, you know, we, we use the term equity, but basically we're talking about that there are a lot of people, Black and Brown people, who are in these neighborhoods, who have these service lines, and lead is a serious health issue there. How satisfied are you with what's been done to this point and what needs to be done? Well, um, Craig, when you when you when you look at the size of the problem and the size of the solution that's being proposed, there's a there's a tragic mismatch. Um, the small amount of money that uh, that the uh, city um, has pulled down in this this first tranche or opening salvo um, is is only um, sufficient to serve. I think 70, 80,000 households out of um, many, um, many hundreds of thousands. Um, the administration of the program 
is um, is another issue. The, the 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 core concern of environmental justice communities is that uh, CDBG funds. Uh, are not appropriate for the management by the water department. The, um, they don't have experience managing these kinds of funds and programs. Um, and, and so we're, we're looking structurally at how do we put together a process that, um, that is not voluntary uh, for one thing, that provides the upfront uh, subsidies that uh, black and brown communities deserve, and um, and that is uh, is really uh, planned uh, where economies of scale can be recognized rather than uh, sort of ad hoc um, sort of spot uh, checking where the work uh, will be done. And I'll say something else, which is uh, Blacks and Green has a program called Sustainable Southside, which is a path to 100% employment on Chicago's south and west sides via the new green economy by 2025. And we're, we're two years into this uh, program and we're looking very seriously at the very deep and rich opportunities that exist right now to put um, African-American communities to work. Water infrastructure is, 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 is conservatively estimated at $20 billion over the next uh, 20 years. Um, who's going to do that work? We know that historically, uh, the African-American community has had issues with organized labor. Uh, will we have the plumbers, the pipe fitters, uh, the pile drivers, the uh, operating engineers? Will we, do we have a pipeline coming from our schools? Do our children know anything at all about water infrastructure, the risk uh, that uh, African-American communities suffer first and worst in times like now during a pandemic, where if we look forensically at how uh, uh, federal and other dollars are being invested, how vaccines are being distributed, are we really seeing equity happen on the ground in real time? I offer uh, that that's actually not the case. So educating our children, walking our walk, putting that pipeline together that is going to lead to a transformational um, economic boon in black communities, not just with jobs, but with contractors who, uh, have, uh, uh, who have successfully bid and are executing contracts with the municipality, as well as with the householders who are getting um, the uh, incentives and the uh, discounts and upfront uh, dollars that, that they deserve. These are all core questions, and we're happy to say that uh, Blacks and Green and our uh, water allies in the field are, are hard at work on those. New commissioner is a top priority as well. Okay. Karen Kreis, uh, for suburban communities, and, and you were talking about the capital uh, investment that would be needed for the new infrastructure in, uh, in, in your area, uh, if you go with the independent water uh, system. Um, do issues of equity come up there? Uh, and, and also, you know, do you all, do you have contact with others? Your suburb is able to pay its water bills right now, albeit it's difficult, but 
you know, what do you do? You, what do you see out there about suburbs that haven't been able to? I mean, there are suburbs that owe the city of Chicago millions of dollars. They they do, and and I can understand how that that happens. Um, you know, we've we've tried to um, be sympathetic to our residents that have been unable to pay their bills. Like I said, we had for a while waived the late fees, um, but again, we have to continue to pay. Uh, our bill to the Midmark Water Commission every month, um, and and Midlothian has always been really good about p- paying our bills. But but I I do understand that families are struggling. I I see it every day. I people reach out to me. They're looking for resources. So um, it, it's happening all over. Um, we're a, we're a middle income, moderate income suburb. And, and so people are really struggling. The pandemic has hit very heavily. But when we talk about infrastructure, and I know we do have lead service lines as well, you know, we, we how are we going to fund replacement of those? And it's, you know, it's akin to an unfunded mandate. And is, are we going to get federal funding to help us with those issues. And maybe Mary Sue can address that. Well, the the question is, Mary Sue, how can there be any action on on any of these fronts without federal help? And we've got a federal government right now that is strapped dealing with the pandemic, among other things. Well, by understanding that water is integral to everything. And I want to point out that each part of this conversation has has drawn out equity um, as a concern about the fundamental unfairness to our systems, whether you're talking about where flooding occurs, where the affordability pinches are, uh, where public health, uh, COVID um, problems are, are the most serious. And the moment that we're facing is when we have an administration and a Congress who are all in agreement that infrastructure is one of the smartest ways to jumpstart the economy what we fund and how we distribute those resources must change. And so um, in the past, if some people thought, oh, infrastructure, they mean transportation, it's a much broader perspective. And so we need to protect people where they're at now. Uh, there's, there's protections against rent evictions. We need to see comprehensive protections against water shutoffs. And then we need to be proactive um, to say that uh, investment like Naomi was talking about in the businesses and the people and the communities uh, can happen through a federal, state, local package that's coordinated. In the past, uh, we haven't always leveraged. I think that the state of Illinois um, can be a more active partner with local communities like Midlothian that are struggling. So that uh, trillion or two trillion uh, that Congress is kicking around uh, can be deployed in significant part to address these challenges um, that will help our communities be able to uh, re- redesign for the future and, and as, as President Biden says, build back better. Um, we've only got a, a minute or so left, but is, is, are there specific laws that are needed either at the state level or at the local level? Is anybody you know, looking toward Springfield for anything? Yeah, and some of them aren't, aren't laws. Um, you know, uh, we've asked uh, collectively, we've asked uh, Governor Pritzker to do uh, a moratorium on water shutoffs. Um, there's some legal 
question in his administration's mind, but we've seen other states do it. And so we should do it in well, Illinois. Um, let me ask a quick so question one. here, though. What do you do about the people that Naomi deals with every weekend, which is the people whose water is already shut off? How do you go back and deal with them? Naomi, is but, there a way? Well, I, I think that I think that we're between a rock and a hard place because um, the data um, I, we've got to assume that the data that is not being shared is data that either does not uh, exist or is not accurate or is hopelessly jumbled. And so um, we're really looking at a from scratch um, a solution that we have to build here in Chicago. And um, not to be a broken record, but to be a broken record, we need the kind of commissioner who is going to insist that, um, you know, that this culture of punishing the poor uh, just, be, just be transformed, be reversed. The idea that we've got um, third party collection agencies who are, who are profiting from the, uh, from the loss of people with their, with, their, with their water bills. We've got a city of Chicago water ordinance floating right now. Um, many of us are working to uh, improve it. And uh, we believe that, you know, this is a new day, a new day and, and all great things are possible. That's going to have to be the final word. I want to thank my guests. What a great discussion this has been. It's, uh, that was uh, Naomi Davis of Blacks and Green. We have also been joined by Midlothian trustee Karen Christ and Mary Sue Barrett of the Metropolitan Planning Council. Thank you, all three of you. Uh, to our Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> to your, our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website. It's WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcasts on Radio.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue. I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.